Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Young and Wifed Up. This is Gabby. And this is Marcella. Thank you for joining us today for another episode. If you would like to support us, we do have a Patreon where you can get bonus episodes, um, exclusive merch, video chats, recommendation links, printables, digital downloads, like you name it. We have it. Just kidding. We don't have everything. We have a lot of cool stuff on there, though. Um, so even if you just want to pay for one month and literally binge everything, we have a huge, massive backlog of tons of content. Um, or we would love if you want to just support us on a monthly basis. It helps keep our lights on. It can help us go um, help us with our <laughs> with some audio stuff that we're having to get figured out. If you listen to our last episode, we kind of explained the situation since we live super far away from each other. We are needing some new updated quality equipment um, to give you guys some better quality audio. Um, so yeah, that is a way to financially support us and to invest in good quality Christian media. If you are unable to support us monetarily at this point, please join our Facebook group and you can still join a community of women that are encouraging each other and being homemakers, wives, and mothers. We have prayer requests and praise report threads. We also have polls. We do announcements there. And it's just a nice place to kind of get to know the other listeners in the Young and Wiped Up community. All right. Part dos. Part two, preparing to be a Wifey. servant. <laughs> true, not true. Kidding, not kidding. Kidding, not kidding. Sorry, not sorry. In the best way. <laughs> Okay, so last week we talked about our own engagement stories, um, things that we enjoyed about it, memories, and also things that we regret, wish we had done differently as far as like getting ready to be a wife, um, things we had thought about, even just practically about wedding stuff or even just emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and those sorts of things. And now we want to kind of blow it out even more into a bigger picture more generalized to, you know, if we were just talking to you guys and saying, you know, if you are wanting to be a wife, if you're single right now, if you're currently engaged, if you're dating in a serious relationship, no matter what, you know, stage of life that you're in. And even like, honestly, a lot of these things are just like good opportunities to have, even if you are married and you've been married for 25 years. Um, things that we can kind of all I think agree on are good things to be practicing and preparing for. Um, so we're not necessarily talking so much about our personal experiences, although I mean, obviously that's going to come into play, um, but more so general principles, um, things to be thinking about um, when we are wanting to prepare to be a wife. So why don't you start? Cool. Yeah. When, when we put this list together, I was thinking about, if I was about to be engaged or newly engaged, mm -hmm. what I what I would want somebody to tell me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I was in that position begging for help. Please help me to be a wife. I want to be a yeah. wife and I want to be a good one. You know, and I want to be a godly one. And sometimes we just need some practical principles, some practical things to really help us get grounded. And also, I have homeopathy pellets underneath my tongue. And I'm trying not to talk with a lisp, but it's really hard because I have a tongue tie. And so hopefully it'll all dissolve soon and my lisp will go away. So, you know, eventually with those, I just give up and chew on them. Yeah, I do end up doing that most of the time, which I might have to right now. Anyway, the first point that of advice that we would want to make, and now it's just like, it's just all over my mouth. Okay, Marcel, you need to start because I need to crunch these little boys out of the way. Okay. The first thing that we would um, advise a young woman to do is to seek premarital counseling, ideally a church officer and his wife, whether that be an elder, pastor at your church, um, and also ideally somebody who knows you, who knows your um, future husband, um, 
has a a somewhat long-standing relationship with you, I don't think it's like as helpful if you're just kind of like jumping into counseling with somebody that you don't really have any history with or somebody that doesn't really like know you or your future husband really well at all. I feel like that kind of like defeats the purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, And kind of something as like an offshoot to that is, um, and this may kind of tie into some of the sticky situation things that we were talking about in our last episode, which is just because like you're engaged does not mean you're in a covenant with that person yet. We don't want to get that mixed up. And a lot of people like we love talking about the value of committing and sticking it out, which is good. Like um, you obviously need to practice those things, you know, being committed to each other um, to an extent though. Um, when you're in a relationship, because there is still time in that period of your life to, if you see things that are not right, if even if your fiance is seeing things that is not right, it is better to endure the heartbreak of um, ending the relationship at that point. If you know there are things that are not going to be good in a marriage. You guys, you know, either have things that, you know, need to be worked on as individuals. There could be so many issues that could come up that could like raise a lot of red flags. It's better to endure the heartbreak than to be in a covenant with somebody that you are now dealing with those issues in a covenant with somebody. And you can't, obviously, we would never advise somebody who's having those issues to just walk away because that's mm-hmm. not an option. Like if we are going off of what we believe um, and our Christian values and what the Bible says is good and true that you can't just divorce for any good reason that you're unhappy or whatever. And obviously I don't think that's a good reason to end an engagement either, but there are things that you would have to be able to endure in a marriage um, issues that you would need to endure in a marriage because they are not like something that you could lawfully divorce somebody with, but things that would be enough to break off an engagement. So keeping that in mind, um, I think that's something that people kind of shy away from. They don't really want to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I think we just assume that, well, marriage is going to fix the issues. And if God says that, like, marriage is good and those things like then marriage generally to anybody would be fine and that is not the case um i think you still have to exercise a lot of discernment a lot of wisdom getting counsel um from the right people who know you and love you and will tell you the truth and you know making wise decisions based off of that so, yeah. what would you like to add to that? Because, I, I mean, know. I agree. <laughs> and I think that it is really, I think that going to premarital counseling can, with with people that counsel you, that are, that love you and have your best interests, they will see those red flags mm-hmm. and they will tell you them. <clears throat> and I've heard of situations where, you know, there was legitimate concerns that the whoever was counseling the pastor was counseling this couple to to not get married because there was like very rooted sin issues and mm-hmm. things that were just absolute like that that it was like this is not going to be good and it wasn't just like you know of course like you marry a sinner like elizabeth elliot says in her book let me be a woman which i highly recommend yeah. and i'm going to give a couple other recommendations at the end of books that women should read if they're preparing to be a wife um and if you're already a wife it's a great book <laughs> um but like you marry a sinner of course and he's marrying you a sinner <laughs> too yeah <laughs> there's there's sin issues and then there's scandalous sin issues and I've heard of these situations where there was scandalous sin that was being untreated that they were trying to jump into a marriage with, and they were being advised to not get married and they ignored that. 
and there is so much heartbreak and so much hurt. And it's like, you see the ripple effect of people not heeding the warnings of pastors and elders that are so wise and that want the best for you and the other person. And sometimes it can be, you know, just not, this is not the season you guys need to break up. And maybe one day the Lord will miraculously bring you back together after, you know, these things that that literally, even though with you and Jed, it wasn't sin issues, but literally you were with Jed when you were young and then God just brought you back together. And it just wasn't the time you guys were too young. There was so much happening at that stage of your life. It was not a good time to be in a serious relationship with each other, but then like, God, God's perfect timing and providence brought you back together. And I've heard of those stories too. Of yeah, I have some one of my best friends in the whole world literally like was dating somebody. They were not Christian. They broke up. They both got saved separately and then they got married. That's, yeah, that's insane. And it's just so beautiful. You see God's hand in these situations. So just because we're encouraging you, like, you know, if there's a situation where there's so many red flags and the person that's counseling is saying this is not good. It does not mean it's completely hopeless if you absolutely love this person. But sometimes we need to heed the warnings to <laughs> save us from, again, a lot of heartbreak and a very, 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 very hard marriage. And yeah, I know that marriage isn't hard. Even, even the vanilla marriages, uneventful yes. marriages are hard. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll move on from that. And I, oh, oh yeah, really quick. I also, I mentioned in the last episode, but I'll mention it in this little point too. If you have premarital counseling, you should also have a follow-up a couple months after you get married, a couple months after that with the people that were counseling you. Even better, as regularly as they're able to. Um, I think that's great because sometimes, you know, you you hash things out in premarital counseling, you get all the principles, but then you're actually living it and you're living with the person and marriage is very sanctifying and exposes sins that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. so those, and you can like get that counsel to, to get some of those early, you know, in the first year of marriage, um, things Nipping worked out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Moving forward, more practically, not as like, I mean, it's heavy, but not as heavy as what we just talked about. (laughs) Discuss and prepare how you're going to handle or join finances. This is something that I feel like I was so overwhelmed by because when Ryan and I got married, we were both like kind of established. I had like everything was my own. I was very financially independent (laughs) and I had him. And then we literally just, I'm not kidding. We're going to be, we're coming up now on six years of being married. (laughs) We just like two years ago got rid of like the last part of my finances that was not joined with him. It's insane. So Sometimes it takes a little longer and it's harder. I mean, a lot of it was due to me just not willing to deal with it and me just like being overwhelmed because it is hard. You have to go and you have to make appointments. You have to make calls. Um, discussing how you're going to handle finances, how you're going to budget, who's going to be the one doing the budget, who's like all of that stuff, that very practical stuff that people, it's not really fun to talk about. You need to be talking about that like when you're engaged, not when you're married, not when you're like two years into marriage and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And I think part of it, we did some of it like right before we got married, but then I feel like most of our financial um stuff has just been working out the kinks for the past five years until we finally got in like okay ryan is the one gifted in this he's going to handle everything and these are the things that i have to take care of i'm stewarding and he's making the money and this is just what we're doing now and so it it takes time i want to say something kind of controversial i'm scared i'm scared I, okay, I'm not saying, like, you know, this is, like, biblically, like, what you should be doing, but my personal opinion, which is all that it is, just a personal opinion, is that the husband should be the one doing the budget, and I say this because we just recently, in the past 
I don't know how long it's been now. But there was way more time in our marriage where I was handling the budget than Jed doing the budget. And you guys, you ladies, for those of you who are already married, like, and and preparing to be married, this is something to just consider. The weight that has been lifted off of my shoulders (laughs) with not having to worry about the money stuff is so freeing. Like, I can't even tell you and even like (laughs) even when jed took it over and started doing it he was like at one point he was like babe like i'm so sorry (laughs) like i'm so sorry that i did not take control of this sooner he's like this is hard and like this is a heavy burden and i should have taken this off of you a long time (laughs) wow So, um, yeah. yes, he apologized to me, but it is, it has benefited our marriage greatly with him being in, in charge. And you know what? The less I know, the better. I'm like, just tell me how much I need to, I have to spend on the groceries, how much I have to spend on the kids' clothes and the diapers. Just tell me how much. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know anything else. Like, you just <laughs> handle it all because, oh. <laughs> After some point, it just stresses you out so bad. Anyway, no, I totally opinion. get it. Yeah, no, I think that there is a lot of wisdom in them being able to, if if they if they have the time and if they're you know if they're able to. And I do think, like, I mean, in my husband's defense, he's literally like a math guy, so it's so easy for him. Like this yeah. is he's like a nerd about it. He's helping other people make their budgets. He's literally crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's people like him where it's like so natural for him, you know, and this is like duh for him. Um, and then there's situations where like you know it's the the man genuinely can't do it, and he needs to um, delegate that to his wife, but he is still the one in charge of the finances. He's still not responsible for responsible. what's happening. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And I think like okay, so like between the two of us, like I'm more like mathematically inclined, which I feel like I'm not mathematically inclined, but between the two of the of the two of us, I'm more so. And so even though like it's a, like Jed has I've had to trust like Jed has his own process. budgeting like he's doing it differently than i would but i'm like it's fine i just don't want to (laughs) yeah i think the only time where i would say like there needs to be like huge involvement is if you are in a financial crisis and you need so much help and and so that's where i'm like it needs to be everybody knows everything Everybody in and the wife is in full knowledge of what is going on with the finances, but there's also a third party, hopefully, helping coach you to get out of that financial crisis because finances, money creates so so much strife and struggle in a marriage. Like talking mm-hmm. about it, worrying about it, like you said, it stresses you out. It's it, it causes so much stress, and then you end up avoiding it, and it's just like such yeah. a nightmare. Having a third party that is hopefully wise in this area to help you untangle some of this overwhelm is the best way to do it. And then whoever that third party is, you know, you can lean on them, and then he can say, "Listen, like, okay, the wife's job right now is, you know." She's in charge of making sure all the bills are on auto pay or, or whatever, whatever your job as the husband is to like, you're making the money and you're putting it in the budget and da, da, da. And it's kind of, you need like a game plan. It can't not be, it can't be yeah. like a freaking free for all. And we can right. talk about, we're planning on going super in depth about finances and stuff like that. Maybe next month, maybe the following month and bringing the guys in about this too. Um, but having those conversations when you're preparing to get married can help set you up for a lot less overwhelm to like, know, okay, who's going to be the one that's budgeting. Who's going like, like, are we joining all of our, our, um, 
our cards together, our accounts mm-hmm. together, making yeah. sure that because trying like to deal with that. Yes. And so the logistics, the practical, and again, it's not fun. And when I married my husband, I brought some debt with me and he brought more debt than I had because he had school loans like with him. And so I had car loans and some credit card debt, and then he had school loans. And so we just kind of like, all right, this is now our our problem together. (laughs) Yeah. How are we going to tackle this together? Um, Yeah. So yeah, I could talk about that for a long time, but we're going to save the finances stuff for another day. Um, Oh yes. Okay. Focusing on building good virtues as a wife before you come, you become one. So it's not like when you become a wife, you get um, awarded with a gentle and quiet spirit and a submissive attitude and a kind, a kind heart and all the patience in the world. Um, unfortunately, that has not happened yet for me. Let me know when you get your award. Okay. Because for me, it has been a fight to the death. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a passage really quick. This is a good place to start. First Peter three. Um, verses one through six. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they, uh, that if any obey not a word, that they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation cu- coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair, or the way, or of the wearing of gold, or of the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. So, these are not things that he's not, he's not describing a wife, like a good wife. He is saying he, there, these are commands. Mm. He's not like women are so, it's so easy for them to have a meek and a quiet spirit. It's so easy for them to be chaste and, you know, to be in subjection to their own husbands. That is not what the passage is saying. It is a imperative. It is a command. And so we there are ways that we can build these good godly virtues before we become a wife. <laughs> Again, a lot of it is not going to be like, oh, like it's so easy. You know? Yes. But that if you are pursuing virtue as a woman first, as a daughter of the king, then being a godly wife will be it will be more natural for you if you have already been practicing gentleness if you've already been practicing kindness if you've already been practicing respect do you have anything to add to that yeah i think like there are like a couple of practical ways that you can practice this like especially if you are still living at home whether you're dating or engaged Um, how do you interact with your father? How do you speak to him when you disagree with him? Um, because you are still under his headship. Like it's so, it's so interesting to me how like so many people would assume, well, I'm going to treat my husband differently because like my dad is like, you know, he's so annoying and like all these different things. And it's like, you don't understand when down the line, you think you're not, you're, you're going to agree with your husband on everything. You think you're going to be on good terms with him. And like, it's going to be warm, fuzzy feelings for the rest of your life. Like that is just, that's not reality. And that is why like these commands are there in the Bible. He wouldn't have to tell us this if... (laughs) wasn't needed um and so thinking about how i treat those who are over me 
and authority now is going to speak a lot to how I'm going to talk to my husband five months after we're married, five years after we're married, 50 years after we're married. And obviously you can, you can grow in those virtues and you can ask the Lord to sanctify you. But again, it's like you were saying, it's not some magic thing that just happens. It's going to take practice. Okay. How are you going to practice that? If you're not put in difficult situations in a relationship with somebody that is going to push you past limits where you need the Holy Spirit to help you. And so that is a good way if you're, you know, thinking of how can I cultivate that gentle and quiet spirit? Well, how do you treat those who are in authority over you currently? And that includes those, you know, like your father, if um, he's in your life, if you're living at home, um, your elders also. Um, And obviously it's, you know, there's still, it's a different kind of relationship with your husband because you guys are one flesh and your peers in a sense, it's not necessarily, it's not like a parent child sort of relationship, but the hierarchy is still there. And so Mm -hmm. taking that into consideration, I think is going to help a lot more with practical communication later on than you think it will. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that I think is very practical, that's very tangible, is that if possible, in whatever space that you have, whether you're still living at home with your parents, whether you have a roommate, whether you're living on your own, any scenario that you're in right now, if you can begin a practical homemaking routine, cleaning routine, get a few easy meals under your belt, these things that are going to happen that when you become a wife and you're managing your own household, you need to start practicing now. That way, when, you know, if you need to make adaptions in the, in the place that you and your husband end up living in, or if you realize the meals that you cooked at home are not ones that he really enjoys and you have to adapt. If you already have been exercising the skills of cooking, of cleaning, of home management, and whatever spirit that you're in. So I'm one thing that I've been meditating a lot on, especially like, I don't know, I've just been feeling, we've been in this house for um, seven, no, maybe eight months now. This is a giant house, okay, <laughs> that God has given me. It is a huge blessing. Like I cannot believe that I went from a tiny little apartment (laughs) to this gorgeous house. Okay. And I was watching some videos earlier of my old apartment, my first apartment that my husband and I had, and it was so small, but I just, I loved it so much. And I just wanted to steward it so much. And I wanted to like, just really make that place my place. And I, and that was my area. And even before that, the room that I lived in at my parents' house, I like wanted to make it beautiful. I wanted to keep it clean. I wanted to keep it organized. I wanted to make sure that my needs were met and that I was taking care of myself and my body and all those things. Stewarding the things that God has given you in the place that you're in now, like God blesses the stewarding of that. And I can see it like, and, and again, this doesn't, I'm not saying I, this is not health and wealth prosperity that if you, if you, if you did great in your studio apartment, you're going to get like a mansion. That is not what I'm saying. You sometimes the Lord blesses us spiritually, temporally, physically, like there are different ways that God blesses the stewardship. And I feel like when I when I'm in this beautiful home that God has given us, it truly is a gift. And I don't know how long we're going to be in this house, but I'm going to look so fondly back at this time that we've had in this house because we've been able to do so much and and bless others, and we've been so blessed by it. Thinking about how we started in such small, humble beginnings, and now like being able to enjoy and steward this bigger place, mm. it just. It's just like, I don't know. I just have so much gratitude 
so much grat- more gratitude than if we had started in this in this giant house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if you steward what you have now, if you're in a roommate situation, if you're living at home, take care of what you have now. Take care of the space that God has given you in the season that you're in now. And you're going to be content everywhere. I promise you. You're going mm-hmm. to find contentment in every place. Like yeah. I was so, so happy and content with our tiny little apartment. And there was hard things and there was hardships. And I had experienced so much physical suffering, spiritual suffering in the first place that we lived in. But I just look back and I'm just like, God, that was so good of you to give us that tiny little place for us to steward, for us to grow, for us to learn. And I can, I can be grateful and content in that tiny little apartment. And I can have that same joy and that same contentment in a bigger place that God has given me. Do you have any thing you want to add to that? Yeah. I think like you were saying, this is obviously not like not prosperity gospel. Like, well, if you're, um, if you're stewarding well, what you have, it's a guarantee. But then we also have to think like, but do you like really think that the Lord is going to bless you with more if you can't even steward well, like the little that he's given you to begin with? Like, come on, but like, we can't be kidding ourselves. And I think that's another thing like Jed and I really talked about extensively. Um, I don't know. I think like maybe a month ago or something of just like, you know, we don't know what's on the horizon for our family. If we are going to be, expanding our family we hope so in the future we don't know um when or if that's going to happen like obviously it's all in the lord's timing and in his will and everything and um you know <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of like okay how long can we go before we max out this current place <laughs> that we have right now and thankfully it is like more than sufficient amount of space for what our family needs at this moment um, in our lives. But, you know, we can't, like, we can't be jumping so far ahead that we forget, like, man, but I, like, am I really, like, stewarding this as best as I possibly can, like, to the glory of God? To where I'm not jumping so far ahead of like, well, we need more space and we need a bigger this and a bigger that and more space here and all this, you know, all these different things that we want in our like current living situation. Um, And trying like to just be grateful for what we have currently. And it's like, how are we going to make the most out of what? And we're not doing enough right now. And we know if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we are not making the most out of what we currently have. And like, there's so much to be grateful for. And I think um, if you can be content in those things, like it will absolutely help with your homemaking where you can adapt your routines to what, even like with your family, what is going to be best for if you are working with just you and your husband, you're going to have to adapt it again when you start having children and like being able to go with the flow and being like easygoing and positive with those changes and all that stuff. It's going to be a blessing to your husband. 1000%. Yeah. Another thing that you can discuss with your fiance or the person that you, you know, plan on marrying is expectations for housekeeping. So if you're working outside of the home or if you get sick or if you're pregnant, newly postpartum, you need to have these expectations lined out because trying to figure out things in the moment is such a nightmare. And then you get frustrated with each other because there's unmet expectations. So if the expectation, if you want, you know, if you desire to be a homemaker and to take on more of the housekeeping, more of like the chores and you're physically able to do it, you know, then you should, you know, it's what we, it's what we believe where our primary vocation is to manage our home. So if we're the primary keepers of the house, but if things fall flat, is your husband your or your future husband able to step in and fill the gap 
when you're out of commission or when things are really hard or even like, yeah, if you just had a really hard day and your husband's able to just step in for, for that moment that you need him to mm-hmm. talking yeah. about that before those moments happen can help save a lot of arguments, a lot of unmet expectations, a lot of that's not fair conversations because ultimately like Marcel and I talk about this all the time because this is what we believe that it is our primary vocation. It is my job that God has given me to take care of my home. And federally it is my husband's job to make sure that's happening. So if he needs to step in, it is, he is not lowering himself to, to step in to help clean or to help make a meal or to help with the kids. That is not that is not him lowering himself to my my lowly vocation. Okay, that's not how how I see it. How we see it at all. It is loving and good and right of him to come and step in to those situations when they happen. And mm-hmm. in our case with Ryan and I, I talked about this a lot in my Patreon episode this month. When we were first married, I was working a lot of hours outside of the home. So Ryan and I. I took on, I'd say about 70% of the housekeeping and he did about like 30% of it. And that worked for us. I still did most of it, but um, I needed him to help a whole lot more than I need him to help now. The only time I really need him to help now is if I'm sick, if I'm, you know, in a flare up, you know, things like that. If I'm like physically incapable of doing it, because Mm -hmm. usually, and we've talked about this in our resilience episode, Usually if I'm just like mentally drained or, you know, I'm just had a hard day. If I just put my earbuds in my ears, buckle down, do the hard thing. Okay. It's going to like, it's going to get done. I'll, I'll get it done, you know, but usually at this point, since this is my job, I do just like any other job. I don't call out unless I'm sick. (laughs) And even if I am sick, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) still doing some things, you know, to help keep our house afloat. So talking about those expectations, if you're going to be working, if you guys are both working full-time or if you're working part-time hours and he's working full-time hours, or if you have a situation where your husband has a disability and you need to work more and those, you need to talk about these things before you are married to that person. Because again, unmet expectations can cause a lot of drama, a lot of heartache. And also this would be a great thing to get another woman involved to ask like, you know, is this something that I need him to step in for? You know, asking advice of godly people, like, and also reading really good books (laughs) and Mm -hmm. reading the scriptures. If you read the scriptures plainly, you will see that this is our job. And them stepping in to help is them giving a kindness and a mercy to us when it is Mm -hmm. our job. Okay. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um, just that it's, the hope is that he's not having to step in because of your laziness and because you're like skirting your responsibilities and you just don't really, I just don't really feel like doing it today. Um, that he's stepping in because uh, like you were saying, it's at, out of kindness and love to you that he may see there are things that are, you know, falling through the cracks. If it's been a long day, illness, postpartum, like there are so many seasons of life where Jed and I have had an ebb and flow of how much he's had to help at home. Um, I am probably doing like 80 to 90% of the house stuff. Um, right now, just because he works full time and I don't work at all. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, your work um, is at home. (laughs) My work is at home. And so it just makes the most sense. That doesn't mean that I'm never going to have hard days where I don't need him to kind of like pick up where I left off. And he is always more than willing and happy to, um, to help me with those things, which is a huge kindness of him but it shouldn't be the husband is stepping in because you don't feel like doing it or because you just feel like binging on social media or a tv all day and it is just like a laziness situation don't be don't be that woman yeah and a lot of these 
situations of like having like an overwhelming day can be combated with having systems that you practiced and you worked on mm-hmm. and and things that you you know you you plan for the hard days to come yeah. so that he doesn't have to do a hundred percent of everything because usually I'm at we're in a place right now you know and this is our current season of life without children that if I'm incapacitated even if it's like two weeks my house does not fall apart if mm-hmm. he, and all he really needed to do was like a load of laundry every couple of days and cook and and do the dishes and you know even with that happening my house is not falling apart and it's not disgusting because I have systems put in place so that when those hard days come <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like, oh no, the house is going to fall apart, you know? So again, planning ahead before you get married, before, you know, when you have that conversation about expectations, all these things are preparing you for, you need to prepare for hardship. It's hard to say, but you need to prepare for hard things to come. You need to prepare for illness. You need to prepare for postpartum. You need to prepare yourself for, um, tragedies happening mm-hmm. in your family or in your church mm-hmm. we need yeah. to prepare yeah um okay moving on to this next point about finding an older and godly woman that you can look up to to ask for counsel when you need it so there's two ways that you can do this you can have somebody that you look up to kind of, and that you can go to on an as needs basis what i recommend when you are when you're preparing for marriage, you're in engagement and you're early in your marriage is to have monthly dates with this person, if possible, something regular that you can count on. Um, It doesn't need to be a woman that's much, much older than you, but I recommend somebody that's been married for more than a couple years, maybe like past the five, like our pastor has talked about this before. Like once you've passed the five year mark, there's kind of like a, a new kind of season in your marriage happening. If you're having, if you're, if it's two Christians um, aiming for godliness, right? This is not just like yes. any, any people married for five years, just throwing things to the wind. Now people that are Christian that are being sanctified by the Lord, you know, that have the same goals. Usually after the five year mark, our pastor said in his family series, there's kind of like a difference of like, you know, you kind of are, you're not as, yeah, there's experience. a lot of things that kind of come with that. Yeah. So I would recommend somebody that's been married for at least five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and somebody that exemplifies a virtuous wife. So not just anybody that's been married for five years that you look up to and thinks cool and you know they have good aesthetic. Somebody that is virtuous, somebody that you look how they speak to their husband and you're like, I admire her. You mm-hmm. see the way that she talks to her children and behaves with your children her children and you see the way that she talks to other women you see how how she interacts in church settings those situations there was a woman that i had been friends with for a very long time she kind of un um unofficially was discipling me um and she was discipling me when ryan and i were dating when we were engaged and early in our marriage and i am mm-hmm. so grateful for that woman so grateful and we've interviewed her on the podcast. Um, it's the episode is encouraged crumb, and Marissa was the woman that was discipling me unofficially. I don't know if she would say it was like very official because you know there were some regular meetings that we were having, but then sometimes it was like crazy and it wasn't like as official. Um, but yes, she was somebody that I highly looked up to. We had a lot of the same like theological understandings about things. And she was a very virtuous. She is a very virtuous woman, mm-hmm. very virtuous. And it is so like such God's providence that like, she is struggles with lots of chronic illness, lots of very difficult um, disability struggles with a lot of pain. And then, early in my marriage i started all my chronic illnesses started coming to the service first service and it is not it was not an accident that god gave me this beautiful woman to look up to that also is chronically ill that also has suffered so much painful um suffering and then i'm experiencing that and so we were she was just the perfect perfect person for me and god really ordained that relationship and i still love her so much and i hang on every word that she posts on social media or blog or anything because she's just very virtuous very godly um 
And we didn't go to the same church at the time or anything. She was just somebody that I truly, truly looked up to. And there's been other women through the years that I've looked up to that are so virtuous. Um, Idola is another one. And we, um, she, we interviewed her in our homeschooling podcast a couple years ago, very virtuous woman, godly woman. And she was in my church and I really like looked up to her so much. She, she was uh, a very gentle leader in our church. She mm -hmm. led, she was just like such a leader and just so beautiful. And I just looked up to, looked up to her so much and I want to be her. <laughs> and so finding that kind of woman in your community is ideal. Yeah. If, if that is somebody that you cannot meet with, um, it, like if, if it's not somebody that, you know, in person, say you're like, Gabby, I look, my church is a desert of virtuous women. I would say one, you need to go find another. Church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, especially if you're like just dating and you're not married and um, cause obviously you need to talk to your husband before <laughs> I'm not I'm just saying people leave their church, but like, if you're like single and you're like in this, you know, you're not dating seriously or engaged or anything. And you're not like trying to find a church together, that sort of thing. That is the time that you need to be going and yeah. finding a church girlfriend. <laughs> and you need to be in a church that has virtuous women, that has godly men that are leading the church. Like, yeah, I could talk about that all day long. Um, but if you are in a season or in a circumstance where there is not that woman that you can just go up to that you see, pray that God would bring her to you. Pray that God would give you a mentor and somebody to disciple you that is godly and virtuous in person. And in the meantime, there are so many beautiful, virtuous women that I've met online that I look up to. There are people that are willing to talk to you and willing to disciple you from afar. Take advantage of those resources. We are in the age of the internet. There is are so many ways that we can be discipled from other women. I always say like Elizabeth Elliot disciples me and she, <laughs> one, has no idea who I am. Two, is passed away she is with the lord <laughs> so, but she like is just such a virtuous godly woman that i like through her books and through her podcast um and everything mm -hmm. that i intake from her she has discipled me indirectly you know yeah. so there's other ways that we can be discipled but still in that during that season be praying that god would bring you that kind of mm -hmm. woman do you have anything you want to add to that yeah i think from personal experience, that is something that I was hugely missing out on in the first few years of our marriage. It It's only been in the past, I don't know, three-ish years that I've had godly older women outside of my family that I've been able to talk to and look up to. Because I think... Also, another thing is that we can't underestimate the power of influence that older women have on how we interact with our husbands, how we view marriage, how we how we view children, our family, um, what our primary vocation should be. I was very much so unintentionally influenced by women who were... Um, I don't know what the word is, like driven by feminist ideals, very independent, um, workaholics, um, you know, don't need no man sort of mentality. And I praise God that he did not throw me to those wolves <laughs> of like just letting me kind of rot in that kind of thinking and beliefs. Um, that I, I did know, like deep down, even like when we were, you know, very young, newlywed, all those things that I did want to become a mother that I knew that I was going to have to, um, deny myself a lot of things in order to pursue what was good and right. And it came with, um, suffering, you know, the loss of connections, the loss of people and friendships and those sorts of things. and especially with those with those women that I, you know, can think of even 
some of the women, unfortunately, at the church that I had been, that Jed and I were going to, of just, like, not having that true Titus II relationship with those women, it was to my own detriment. And now that I know what it's like to have those women in my life and how much of a of a um, better um, wife and mother and homemaker I am for it is just, it's so obvious to me now that I would just like, you know, heed my warning of who you are allowing to counsel you, who you are allowing to advise you, to influence you. Um, because we do want that, like, you know, motherly, spiritually, like spiritual motherly approval from those women and who you're getting it from is just super important. Um, yeah, I agree. And also if you find a woman that you can have this sort of relationship with this person should also be keeping you accountable in your pursuit of purity. So I talked about a lot in our last episode that pursuing purity alone is a, a, a horrible idea. Yeah, it is a losing battle. Like I hate to tell you, it is very isolating. It's a very hard. So having somebody that you can confide in somebody that you can tell you can be very very honest with like bluntly honest of like hey last night we were in the car and we were making out and things went too far you know that you can be very like this is what happened and she can help you with a game plan well you're not allowed to be in the car for more than five minutes with him anymore you know those sort of things like somebody that can tell you straight up Somebody that can be very straight up with you that you can be very straight up with her and say, listen, we're struggling right now. I need your help, you know, and she can help you keep, keep you accountable, pray with you, fight that battle for you. And if she's a godly woman, she will want to do that for you. And sometimes we have to ask for that because it's kind of like awkward, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like, you know, I really appreciate you being willing to mentor me. One thing that I'd really, really like some help with is just maintaining our purity. Yes. Check up on me. Marissa is my accountability partner on Covenant Eyes because I have a past with pornography. And again, another thing I want to talk about on the podcast at length, but we only have so much time in the world. But Marissa, who I talked about that was mentoring me and discipling me, in when Ryan and I were together early on and when early on our marriage, we, you know, I got her on covenant eyes with me and I'm, she's still my covenant eyes partner because I still have covenant eyes on. And I don't know, maybe one day she'll be like, girl, do you need this still? Like, I don't know, but I'm just, I'm for our peace of mind. We we've been partners with covenant eyes since we started the podcast. We have that information on our website, young If you're interested, um, covenant eyes is such an amazing service and it has kept me connected to Marissa in some ways, even in some funny ways where she's like, okay, it sent me a screenshot and it was you FaceTiming with your sister. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, I'm glad they're diligent. You know, I'm glad that they. (laughs) So, yeah, so it keeps us connected with each other. Um, But yeah, if you if pornography is something that you struggle with or, you know, anything regarding purity at all, having that woman that you can be very blunt, very honest, very transparent um, is is gold. It really is gold. Okay. Okay, yeah, this is a part that I wish somebody, okay, I'm going to blame all of you. I'm blaming you too. Everybody, I'm blaming everybody. Nobody told me, okay, that you can't just like get pregnant randomly or that sort of thing. I was very ignorant to my fertility health until I got married. And most of it was because like, I just thought like, right, okay, part of it is that Everybody might think that we're crazy, but Ryan and I were open to having children as soon as we got married. Um, And so to me, I was like, I don't need to look into this. We're going to get pregnant ASAP and it's going to, and it's going to be fine. And I'll worry about, you know, spacing children or whatever later. I'll worry about the later, you know? Um, Yeah. We didn't get pregnant. (laughs) I mean, it's, 
It's been like five and a half years and we're still that not pregnant. That one's still loading. Yeah, still, yeah, pending. So you need to learn <laughs> learn about fertility health, okay? Whether you're, you know, spacing or if you're avoiding for a time or if you are trying to get pregnant. Regardless of pregnancy, you need to know what's going on with your fertility health. For yeah. your health. We have several podcast episodes about this. One of them is the natural family planning episode that we did with our friend Shannon, who is a wealth of knowledge about this topic. It's very extensive, very extensive. It's a great place to start if you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> um, another thing is, I think we talk about it in our period health episode. Maybe. We, there's like a few episodes where we talk about fertility health. Um, I learning. Like I feel like at this point, Shannon is the unspoken third party of this podcast. She is. Shannon is in Young One Wifed Up, but she just comes on officially every once in a while with us. Um, learn about natural family planning. Learn about the fertility awareness method. That Those are the only things that I would recommend as a Christian yeah. that you look into. Um, start tracking your cycle if you're not already. Start looking into fertility awareness and natural family planning. And please talk about these things with, with your fiance, soon to be husband. This is not something that you should wait to talk about, about kids, about, yeah. uh, I have heard crazy stories of people talking about that they just didn't talk about that until after they were married. And I was like, what? That should be coming up in your premarital. That should be coming up before you even get engaged. Yes, like, I agree. Because if you are okay, another thing that sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Another thing that I have observed several times now is that when this conversation comes up, and if you like, if you are someone who has looked into, you know, things like birth control, what it actually is, what it does, like all those different things. And you're like, wow, I'm so heavily convicted by like how I want to go about fertility and planning and all that stuff. And those women do not realize they don't have that conversation until after they're engaged, well into their engagement. And then they decide at that point, to have a conversation with their future husband and they are nowhere near on the same page. And it's like, wow, we are so like on the opposite sides of this, of like what you think is okay and what I think is okay. And then it's like, then you, then you're like stuck in this really intense, awkward situation it is just, like, I highly, highly, highly recommend you need to have these conversations even before you get engaged. I think it oh, is yes. so important of, like, like, what, like, what's your stance on this? Or, like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, if you were to get married, like, how, what would you feel about this? Or how would you want to go about this? I think it is imperative. And if you're a man listening to this and you don't know, you need to know. <laughs> and if you're not married and you're, you want to get married and you want to pursue that and you're not sure, you know. Hopefully you have a mother who can talk to you about it <laughs> or, you know, uh, a, a couple or something who has, you know, a, a godly wife who can like talk you through some of this stuff and like, here is what you need to look into. Here's what you need to inform yourself on and educate yourself on because you don't want to go into these kinds of serious relationship situations, not knowing what your stance is on those things because that can end up being like a really really dicey situation yeah um no yeah, yeah we yeah thankfully with ryan and i we both i was working at a pro-life organization when he started dating me and i was already like very radical i was being yeah. i was being <laughs> radicalized you know, yeah. because I was being exposed to the reality of birth control and all kinds of things. Um, and then Ryan was <laughs> already radicalized before we started dating. So when we started dating, you know, the subject came up very organically because I was yeah. working in a 
it was working in a um a crisis pregnancy center i was around pregnant women all the time <laughs> it was like a mutual interest yeah it was just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah so it was it was easy easier for us to mm. talk about this subject but i understand that it's awkward like if it's not something that you're already immersing yourself in, it's not something you're already thinking about and talking about, but it is worth having the conversation worth searching the scriptures over worth looking into what are godly perspectives about this situation. And, and if you have questions about, I mean, I'm super passionate about this. I'm like, you could text me girlfriend and ask me for resources. um, Cause I can't even like put them all, you know, here i have resources on every subject that has to do with fertility and and you know birth control anything to do with that and Um, it's like it's an unfairness to just like if you're engaged to somebody and because it's so awkward to have that conversation with them or if they for one if they don't have any conviction about it or any stance that should be a red flag to you um if they or if they have looked into it and it's just like vastly different from what you believe that should be a red flag but also you should not be just going to like oh well i need to figure out what my convictions are i'm just going to talk to this older woman that i you know trust and respect because i'm trying to avoid this conversation with my fiance you can't go about it that way. Like no. you have to face, you have to face the beast. You, <laughs> you guys have to figure out what you are going to agree to do. Yeah. I <laughs> you agree can't be on different pages about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to our next point is educate yourself on taking care of children, like including basic baby needs, like taking care of sick children, um, children's nutrition. I don't think, it is ever too early, especially as a woman, to like start thinking about these things because there is so much information about this stuff. And like you could go on so many rabbit trails with these things. And even if you get married and say like you're in Gabby's position, you don't end up, you know, having children for a, however much time. If you are in a healthy church, it is almost guaranteed you are going to find children under your care at some point and you need to know what to do. So even if it's not like, obviously it's to the benefit of our own children to be able to, you know, mother with wisdom to take care of our children. Um, so that if those things happen, and even if you're like, oh, wow, like, uh, you know, we're not going to have kids for, you know, five, five years after we get married. That's the plan. It's like, all right, well, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> you and I always take bets whenever somebody says, oh, it's going to be this long. We're like, yeah, yeah. okay. And, and you guys, 95% of the time, it is sooner. Barring, like, health situations or, like, infertility it is almost always sooner and earlier than they say that it's going to be. Yeah, because and God's so, going to open the womb when he wills, whether you yes. will it or not. <laughs> yeah. And not just that, but I think sometimes we assume when we first get married that we, oh yeah, we can really hold off having kids. But I tell you what, it is just a natural and good consequence of being married that you will want to desire like that next stage of your life. Cause like, if you are growing in godliness, you will want that to be the next thing that comes. Absolutely. You're not going to want to put off. I think it's immature to like w- wanting to put off for so long for illegitimate reasons, just because, you know, you're young and want to have fun sort of thing. Like, I think that's just very silly. It's also but, just a um, very ungodly attitude. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, like, if that's you and you're like, well, I've got so much time, honey, you don't know that. Like, you don't know how much time you have. Like, you might be getting pregnant, like, right out the gate. And it's like, oh, man, I don't know anything about this stuff. Like, I really need to, like, look into this. And like I said, there is so much to be educated on and informed about. Um, especially in this day and age, there's just so 
There is just, it can get very overwhelming. So much information. And obviously you have to be able to adapt to, you know, submitting under your husband's leadership if he has his own opinions on those subjects and all of those different things. But don't, just because you're like, well, I just got to wait to see what my husband says. Don't take that as I'm not going to have any opinion at all Mm -hmm. until you know, I get married or whatever. Like, this is a good time to start when you have the time when you're not, you know, in the middle of um, rushed circumstances of having to like, I got to figure this out, like at the last minute, I just don't think that's a good place to find yourself in. Because even if you know all the things and you feel really well informed, it is still just like, can be an overwhelming transition with having children. And you will even, if you don't have kids, you will be better prepared um, for when you do inevitably end up taking care of kids. Like, it's just going to happen. Like I said, if you're in a healthy church, like you, there are going to be children around you and in your life. Um, So it's just, it's just good to know about those things generally. Yeah, I agree. I think to wrap everything up and to, and our very long mini-sode. <laughs> we could literally probably have a whole other episode just about this. Because yeah. there's just it so much stuff. Season, like a li- an entire season dedicated to preparing for marriage. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that we hope you get today is that the wedding is one day. Mm-hmm. And marriage is for life. So prepare for marriage more than the wedding. The wedding... Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. There's going to be crises. There's going to be things that happen. Like I could tell you a dozen, if I really think about it, a dozen things that went wrong or whatever at our wedding day or whatever. But that was one day, one day. Like a marriage is for life. However long the Lord allows you to live and your husband Mm -hmm. to live. And so prepare yourself for life with Mm -hmm. your husband, not just the wedding day, the honeymoon, you know, that sort of thing. Those things are fun. Those things are great. Those are the things that we fantasize about when we're little and we're watching, you know, say yes to the dress and all that sort of thing. But the weight of your preparation should be preparing for a wife and committing yourself to prayer that one, God would bring you a godly man. Mm -hmm. And two, that you would be that godly woman, that godly Mm -hmm. wife for that person so i think that just about sums it up so we're going to talk to you guys next week about our winter favorites so look forward to that and if you have any questions or comments or if you're mad at us (laughs) go to our facebook group our patreon our instagrams and slide in our dms (laughs) we'll talk to you guys next week bye bye